0: Super amped to have talked to uh, Tudor Caradoc Davies, editor of the Mission Fly Mag. Um, I realized, yeah, oh, that sound was me clapping my hands as if you can see me. I realized um, during this interview that I have severe ADHD. I've realized that before, but I had to cut out a bunch of places where I just rant on about uh, complete nonsense. Um, So, yeah, super amped to talk to him about fly fishing South Africa, river quality, uh, the magazine, the controversial books he's publishing. Uh, yeah, hope you dig it. Let's go. Tidor welcome to Let's Hope the Weather Holds, man.
1: Thanks for having me. Looking forward to chatting to you.
0: So um, what I realized last night was that I got the time difference wrong. Um and that it's actually 5 30 in the morning here now <laughs> and not 7 30 oh, in the morning. So oh, yes, I did. so I'm that's also why I'm like levy uh de de cock. <laughs> because <laughs> so I realize coffee, I'm, coffee, I'm, I'm not to get up at five five a.m. and not get up at uh seven a.m. and like yeah. yeah. So anyways, thanks for seeing me. It's six thirty there in South Africa. Um so you're the editor. Of wait, now I'm gonna tell a little story first. See, you already said right. you can interview me. I never fly fished in South Africa. I moved here two years ago because um everybody just always invited me to dillstrom right? That was fly fishing in South Africa for me. Then I then I moved uh tutor is indicating that they're mad. Uh then I moved to New Zealand and I'm like, I, I told myself if I can fish in rivers, I'll fly fish. And, literally within a month uh my buddy Harat a i think you used him for one of your illustrations he's yeah. like yeah, an amazing dude. artist yeah he's freaking rad dude um i'm i did a illustration for a fly fishing mag i'm thinking like what a fly fishing mag right is going to use one of Harat's illustrations this is freaking stupid like how is he gonna because i know him like right? what he will do is if they tell him don't use so much red he'll just bomb it with red just to piss off. <laughs> and and then then uh i look at this freaking mission fly mag i'm like what like i've just wasted 10 years of my life not wanting to go to dillstrom and then there's all this river fishing in south africa and there's trout and i just i was just not aware of it it's just like if you're not led into that so anyways mission fly mag is awesome but it really screwed me over well, my own uh, neglect of knowing what's going on screwed me over. So you're the editor of, of Mission Fly Mag, is that right? And who's the, who's the rest of the crew?
1: That's correct. Okay, so I'm the editor um, and co-founder along with uh, Brendan Boddy. He's our art, art director, a.k.a. Bod, a.k.a. the human giraffe, um, captain, verbal diarrhea, and various other things. He's a tall, skinny fucker um, who's uh, a genius on the keyboard. Yeah. Um and then the other co-founder is Conrad Buertis, <clears throat> who in a bit like Kerart Human, um, or even more so, in, in South African circles, he's a very well-known artist. Controversial uh, artist. Of, one, controversial for sure. Uh one half of the bitter comics duo with Anton Kanemay. Yeah. And so we started the mag in uh, 2016. Well, like we released our Jan/Feb 2017 issue at the in December 2016, uh, and we did it all the, everything wrong. We um, <laughs> we created we created that because you know you got me the editorial guy, you have got the, the the design guy, and then the art guy. And we had no business guy. We had no accounting kind of brain. We had no. We didn't even have a website set up. All we did was we created this magazine because we wanted to do something cool. Then we took it just, you know, like on our computers. We went on a roadshow and uh, basically sold it to uh, various advertisers in South Africa and just put the first one out over that Christmas wow. uh, festive season period. And we, actually, we just, we were looking back, we were very lucky. We got an amazing response. I think people just wanted something fresh. And, yeah. um, you know, there were established magazines in South Africa and they they'd done a great job for years, uh, but um, they uh, were doing their thing and we were, like wanted to approach it from a different uh, perspective. And I came from a magazine background. I worked for um, men's magazines for years, like GQ and Men's Health and Best Life, which was the older version of Men's Health. And Brendan actually came came from like the uh the counterculture magazine side of things he he was one of the guys who started session skateboarding magazine oh yeah
0: yeah yeah i shot for yeah. them years ago i think yeah. it was like, like really. one of my first shoots it really sucked <laughs> i was really bad i was so embarrassed about those
1: photos <laughs> <laughs> totally you probably dealt with bud all those years ago and he also was involved in the lake which is like a, a sort of hipster uh um, magazine like you know fashion and music and design and stuff in south africa yeah um and yeah we 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 got it started and then we retrofitted a business around it and we are now uh like in early next week we're going to print with our 24th issue so we've lasted we've um not just lasted we've we've grown i mean you know we've got bigger and better and uh, we've got better at, at like yeah. running the business side of things and yeah we're still so you've got you've got a, you've got a, a team little... now
0: you've got accounting and all that stuff going like a proper magazine uh, yeah proper we, that we find... good say proper, yeah, <laughs> so no, no, no. proper we, we don't
1: have a team we don't we, we don't have a team like that so this little thing is my my office and yeah. conrad lives down the road and uh bod uh is over in, in nordic and we do a lot of stuff just online and, and we we meet up when it comes time to plan and all those kinds of things and then all the kind of dry stuff like accounting we we farm out to people who know what they're doing um well a lot better than we do we keep our, our eye in uh my wife helps out with uh merchandise and distribution and things and that's this year's which has actually made a big difference because that's awesome i uh, w- was uh, uh, not not coping with all of that and with all the the book writing stuff as well so um yeah and we just you know. It, most of what's happened with the mission has happened organically um i wish i could tell you that there was a grand master plan and we we had every every victory um planned out years and in advance but we didn't we've just been kind of doing our thing and learning as we go
0: you guys have been friends like i'm skipping all the how do you get into fly fishing i'll get into that later Um, Like you guys were friends before that right you were just like missioning together and then how did that idea come
1: Uh, yes and no um so the way it worked is actually i start. geez it goes back quite a way i started hosting uh fly tying evenings in my apartment in cape town because uh, nothing was really happening in the local club scene yeah and uh i i just would like randomly approach people like conrad who had a bit of a reputation as a saltwater um fly fishing guy and um so, you know, in the end, I was having like 20, 30 people in my apartment with like beer and delivery pizza flying around and a That's fair awesome. few uh, joints. And uh, then, you know, I, I eventually shipped that out to the Cape Escatorial Society, well, of which I'll well, have you know I'm the vice chairman. And what happened was I got to know Conrad well, and we got talking about like doing something cool. Yeah. But you know, it was just, it it starts over a couple of beers or coffees, and you you try out, you sketch out some ideas, and then Andre Van vek you know, the guy with the big curly hair, he looks like a sort of human labradoodle. and um, he's in a lot of our shoots and stuff. You'll recognize him. I recognize him in photos. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, Andre said you should talk to Bud. Um, he's like this, you know, he's into fly fishing and he designs magazines and stuff. So. Had a meeting with Bud, and you know, several bottles of wine later, we were like, "Okay, we're gonna fucking do it." And uh, then, then the three of us met, and we just got cracking, and we put it together. So, yeah, um, if you'd asked me several years ago, did did I ever think I'd be running a fly fishing magazine? It wasn't on my radar. Yeah, Um, I'd never actually even written for fly fishing titles before because I was just like making a living out of writing on everything else yeah, and fly yeah. fishing i was always like i don't know if i'm gonna ever bother to pitch to someone but it was always something that i did and was close to my heart so yeah we did it but we, the other thing as well is that uh sorry i'm rambling a little bit here, No, no, no we, go, go. we wanted to take a different approach yeah um so a lot of not not all of them but a lot of magazines use the how-to approach and yeah. I come from a service journalism background. If you like, if you think about a, a magazine like Men's Health, it's yeah. got all those listicles and bullet yeah, points yeah, yeah. and like, like how to I, freaking exactly, uh, I like five know. ways to find the G spot, fifteen yeah, ways yeah, to yeah. that is pretty much have.
0: every 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 um, magazine. <laughs> <I mean>. Exactly. <laughs>
1: There's, I mean, I, I could, we won't go into depth on this, but I could in terms of like they've got a science for the cover with the hot spots in the top left and bottom left, top right, and they got a touch on sex, muscles, and and food and wealth and you know da da da, da. so anyhow, I came from that Not background, there. and I didn't want to do that because I could see even fly fishing magazines. Kind of covered that, almost used that same approach, like yeah. how to tie a fly, and then they maybe use- less
0: well. I can say that you maybe can't say it, but not as well as as the main's magazines would cover it.
1: For sure. So the point was, like, I was like, what is it? What really appeals about fly fishing for me is is the stories, like, just and and I'm not just talking about stories of of. I went there, I caught a big fish and I'm a hero. Like, yeah, yeah. cause let's be honest, too, too much success is boring. Um, yeah, and cool. a large part of what w- we do or our approach is, is actually celebrating the failure. I mean, yeah, like yeah, yeah. If, if you haven't fucked up in fly fishing, if you haven't had shit days, then you're a liar. I'm sorry, like, like Dude, it doesn't I'm, I feel like I've like
0: been over having only shit days. I've had like th- and you four live in days Zealand, in the so. past two years <laughs> where i can just go like those days. Dude, we were on the Waiha River. Did you have you fished in New Zealand?
1: No, uh, I went to New Zealand when I was really young, but uh, I've, I've got to go back. I've actually got family there. The only person in the world with my weird name, Tudor Caradoc Davies, is my uncle He lives down in Dunedin. What uh, is that? Is that English or
0: Irish? What is where is
1: Welsh? Welsh. Okay, there you go.
0: Well, if you can. I'll show you around in the North Island it'll show you around in the South Island. I'll, I'll take you up on that. Let's do it. Dude, we were on the Waiha River um <laughs> last weekend, actually. So Waiha River is um the, the the article I did for you guys with was with me Neil mm. was and we went back there and the average fish is like tiny there, like it's like a okay. Tenkara type vibe, right? And we had gone with the fly fishing club to a spot on the Rotorua Lake, it's like an inlet, and there's like 10 pound brown trout there no one caught anything so we just went back to the wire because we knew it and i stood in this short section like a 50 meter section for three hours and again thinking like fuck this shit i'm just gonna stick to shooting and stuff where i know i can hit the target you know you just get that yeah, satisfaction. It, and then <laughs> i i i got a strike but when i when i struck dude I pulled this little fish up above my head. It was like tiny.
1: (laughs) But we've all done that. You know, where you like, you strike too hard, it's a small fish, it goes flying over your head. I mean, well, I think we've all done that. Anyhow.
0: How hard is it to get advertisers? You mentioned you go overseas. Is that how you saw, or you did your first stuff in South Africa and then you you got, you go to the States or where for later. Like, I just want to know about that.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's uh, been quite a process. So you know, we got the uh, most of the local shops and kind of outfitters. Um, I think they were quite impressed by what we put together with the first few issues. So if they weren't on board from issue one, they were by you know issue two or three. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, we we that's really what we do know how to do. We know how to put together magazines. We've got it. Yeah. Got the experience. Um, we're not newbies on that front. And then with Conrad's art we were also able to do something that was completely different to anything you'd ever seen before. Just it um, down like by, by 99%. Yeah, yeah we, we had to remove to a few cocks. Yeah, you <laughs> can't have that many cocks in a Um And then, you know, after about a year, was it two years? Yeah, no, no, like a year and a half. Um, I think it was Keith Rosinas, um of Alphonse Fishing Co. who said... If you want to take this to the next level, you've got to go to ICAST um, in, in the US, which is the huge fishing show. So yeah. for the first two years, it was in Orlando, Florida, first two years for me. I mean, it's been going for, for a while. And part of ICAST is IFTD, the, um, I stand to be corrected, someone who listens to your show is probably going to say, no, Dickhead, you got it wrong. But I think it's the International Federation of Tackle Dealers, which is... I've got one follower, wing. so no one. <laughs> <laughs> <It> doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it's the internet. So, anyhow, that, that's the fly fishing wing of ICAST, and it's huge. Okay. You know, you're at the convention center in Orlando, which is absolutely massive, yeah. and just the fly fishing section is like the size of I don't know two rugby stadiums. It's just yeah. really, or maybe that's a slight spice. No, one rugby stadium at least. It's just. Yeah. Really, really big. And everybody is there and you get to meet all of them. And last year, um, IFTD split from ICAST, which it had done in the past. It was a separate thing. And it moved to Colorado so that it could be closer to the Western US and all those shops and outfitters so that the two seasons came together. So it was in uh, was it September or October last year. Right. And um, I went to that as well. And yeah, like the process of, of getting advertisers, I mean, you know, often it just takes... Uh, one person in the marketing department who actually reads the magazine and engages with you and goes like, you know what, this is actually quality and I do like what you're doing. Yeah. Um, what I have found is, um, you know, the, the American brands are incredibly enthusiastic when you meet them. Yeah. They're, they, they're very, they have a lot of nice things to say about us and then it kind of just dies off after the show a little bit um you know you really got to work it and keep that momentum going and yeah i mean you know we still got a lot of work to do there's some really big brands that i feel should be in the magazine because they're totally aligned with the kind of stuff that we're doing um but again you know it's it's the classic thing of um that's their market you know usa canada Uh, And Europe, and we're this kind of weird little uh, African upstart um, with a lot of attitude and big ideas. And it's like, you've got to kind of convince guys to get out of the territorial thinking. Like, you know, don't don't tie us to how many boots or rods or whatever that you sell in South Africa. Because actually what we're doing is shining a light on African destinations and species. Even though we also go elsewhere in the world, but like we've got quite an African focus. And I'm, I keep trying to say to them like, "Yeah, but your American readers are American readers, are your customers as well? So yeah. don't yeah. Yeah. pigeonhole us as being there." Anyhow, I so yeah, the advertising thing is uh, is a process. So so
0: now that I'm on that, um, I was sitting with a with a buddy of mine, um, and we were talking about uh, Meat Eater. I don't know if you've watched uh, Meat Eater, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Steve um, Rinaldo.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's. Uh, I'm fairly um uh I'm a big fan, let me put it that way. I just I just dig the show and and he's really good at at narrative and it makes a huge difference. And we all, I asked him like why the hell do we really like this and all the other stuff? And he said he's sick of seeing like a bunch of fat white Americans sitting in a hide shooting a leopard that was baited. Um, you know, and that's that's all the hunting shows that there is. And there's there's even New Zealand, there's there's fishing shows, and I just go like you know fly fishing it, i can watch like 15 minutes and then i go because i feel like yeah yeah it's new zealand i must get amped and then i just put it off yeah like, come on so so why and i know you i am you might tread on toes now whatever but like why is there a certain formula within hunting fishing because you fall somehow into that category and, and fly fishing which is supposed to be really cool in my eyes you know and and it just doesn't work. Um, it's just the formula is the same. You can't pitch anything new to them. I've tried a bunch of new stuff and no one wants it. They just want what like and, and and was that your goal to like just move away from that?
1: No, I think in whatever fields or industry in the world that you, you play in, um originality gets rewarded or gets noticed, you know. Um I mean, I think of a guy like Rolf Nylander, um, you know, the Swedish uh, fly fishing filmmaker. Do you know yeah, his yeah, work?
0: Yeah. I think I've seen some.
1: Um, yeah, his, his stuff's incredible, and and you know, I think I think he said some brands get on board with him over the years, but like he just does his own thing. He's just like, yeah, yeah. In the, he, I, I mean, I I get like if if maybe there's a nice uh, social safety net in in sweden that where you know it's it's not much of a a a hack to pay the bills but yeah uh, so i understand that it you know like if you if you're just trying to uh pay the bills your your imperative is different but um i think if you can if you if you're making something that you want to make yeah uh, and you keep doing it like you know like if the first second third right up to the 10th 20th if you're not getting any attention from brands, maybe it's just not a fit for brands, but if you're making it to the highest quality, to the best of your ability, you will develop fans and you will get a following. And basically the brands want to go where the following is. And that's kind of part of why, you know, we have our own approach. We just do whatever the hell we want to do. Um, But it's also why we make our magazine free. We're like, fuck it, you know, there shouldn't be barriers to entry on this thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And what we want to do is create something that's so cool that the brands want a piece of it. It's it, it's essentially building a band, um, a stage and saying to the brands, you're the bands, come play. Like we can do cool things. Just yeah. throw some money at us and we'll go and make a great mission. That's Not
0: that all. hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you've got the right creatives on board, I reckon, which you guys do. Um, okay. I'm going to jump way back and how did you start fly fishing how did you, did you start fishing before that and mm-hmm. then got into fly fishing like how did that happen
1: uh yeah i i suppose i always fished as a kid like you know um general whatever uh, rock and surf but not to any great level of skill or ability i had buddies who were really good and i'd tag along and you know catch call on red baits or whatever else um but my dad was always into fly fishing, and he took me. I think I was like 11 or 12 years old, and like you, I was a a, a ginger kid. It's now gone a bit white or grey. And um, so I had I had a very uh, short short fuse or tempest. I remember standing in the Holswede River with this fly rod and like just a mess, like a tangle of tippets and and you know willy willy worms somewhere down there. And I was just going like, oh, you know, like raging at the world as as only ginger kids can. And <clears throat> the the magic moment happened while I was trying to undo this knot. My fly was just sort of drifting in the in the little rapid there, and some dumbass rainbow trout took the fly. And so you know, like I had this very awkward rod meets spaghetti eagles nest <laughs> or whatever cobweb. And then a a fish on the end, but I managed to get it and unhook it and set it free. And I was like, okay, um, you know, this is it. Uh, So uh, then, you know, I spent years as a teenager fishing for bass and bluegill uh, in the dams at Betty's Bay, which unfortunately are not as good as they used to be these days because somebody put carp in there. I, I like carp in certain situations, but not when they stuff up other fishing. Um and yeah like in my 20s i was way too focused on just getting hammered um, and getting laid as a student yeah, there you go. and then okay. in my late yeah yeah and then in my mid-30s totally um <laughs> i kind of <laughs> in my in my mid-30s i got back into it i kind of had a, a reawakening if you like yeah um and yeah and that's kind of when i started holding you know hosting those evenings in my apartment and everything else and that's and here we are today look at us now
0: yes sitting here can you believe it so what if you if you get in a car now and you drive to your nearest fishable fly fishing water i'm not talking ocean because obviously like where where are you going and what what is there to catch because it's not necessarily Um,
1: no it's not necessarily chaddle though i mean the most recent fishing i did was i was on the cape streams on the Molina's river um last was it friday or thursday um which was beautiful water's like a little bit high but you know lots of fish on on dry fly and they're fat and healthy and de- decent size for the cape streams by new zealand standards i'm sure they'd be shrimps it depends,
0: um, what, depends what streams you're going to, but yeah, yeah, some of the rivers here have monsters, but sorry, yeah, continue, so so would that be, sure. how, how far drive is that from you?
1: Uh, it's like 45 minutes. Oh, that's um, close, man. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's convenient, and then if you're doing um, salts, you know, you're probably going to look at the Breda River, um, either the Infanta or sides for uh, Spotted Grunter, Cob, Lerfus. Um, you, there are some closer spots to Cape Town where you, you can go for those, but they're not as productive as the Breede yeah. on a good day. Um, then you know there are a couple of spots, uh, rivers with smallmouth uh, bass. Uh, deeper into the Cedarberg Mountains, you get Clan William yellowfish, which I've been trying to tick those off for a while, and I keep failing. I've, <laughs> I've hooked into big ones, and got broken off, but I, oh. I haven't ticked one yet. And then further north, I mean, this is not like a day trip. Uh, but if you um, want to do the Orange River, it's like, you know, a, a day's drive and you're there. And then it's incredible fishing. A lot of people go well, there. I'd love
0: like, to do it, man. I'd love to do it.
1: It's worth it. Now, Do you come back to SA quite often?
0: Well, I was there in November. Um, and we were supposed to come in June because my wife hasn't been back uh, since we came here. But now COVID obviously messed everything everything up so I don't know when we'll be able to fly man I um
1: maybe because New Zealand seems to be the one country that sort of has dodged the whole thing so yeah. you guys are going to be like
0: we we don't have residency yet so if we in February we'll get it so if we leave now we can't come back you sign a document to say goodbye um and we actually know a couple of people who did it who just said they can't take it can't, yeah and it's they're like wow very close to getting residency. Like, you really make a decision about your future. You say, I write this off completely. Um, I, I want to ask about some of your covers. Uh, yeah, sure. The first cover. Is it Conrad Burtis holding the carp? Yeah, that's Conrad. The and, and then, okay, yep. I, I want to hear the the story. And then, was someone drunk and then just said, a carp will eat a freaking cigarette? Because then you... Tell that whole story because okay. uh, I think that will get like, everyone who listens will just go and go and go to the website just yeah. to see, because that was super, yeah. that was amazing.
1: <laughs> so in the 24 covers that we've done, I think there are maybe four that have a fish somewhere on the cover in total. And the very first one has a fish on the cover and it's got a guy holding it. It's almost a classic hero shot if you look at it, but the, the guy conrad is dressed as a taxi tout, like but yeah. kind of from the the 70s or 80s he's wearing this steamy blue suit and he's got his trilby on and um what what basically conceptualizing that shoot we we said look you know we're not the kind of magazine that's going to do your classic hero shot of a guy with a big fish yeah but what we can do is turn it on its head so and and the, the other thing we wanted to avoid is you know like A lot of the magazines, lifestyle magazines, mainstream magazines in Cape Town um, suffer from mountain syndrome, where everything is kind of with a backdrop of of the mountain, which is not how the rest of South Africa lives. You know, like so. We were like, let's. We were the mountain was right there, but we were like, let's just turn it so we've got. The, the mountain was mountain.
0: actually right there, like the yeah, mountain, like, not a mountain, uh, the fucking mountain.
1: Well, there's only one <laughs> yeah. mountain, and it's yeah. Table Mountain. If you're a Capetonian, you talk about the mountain, man. So, um, yeah, w- w- basically, we wanted to do, like, there, there are a few places in Cape Town where, um, actually, across South Africa, where there's some incredible fish, like, in inner city areas, yeah. if like, you know where to look and what to get to, to where, where to go. But the problem is, they're often guided. And this this shoot happened at the castle, which is the old Cape Dutch, um, not Cape Dutch Dutch East India Company castle that's been there since eighteen no, seventeen. Footsack with, or was it sixteen? Footsack with the, um, uh, with you know, Van Riebeck and Co. Simon van der Stel and all of that lot. And in the moat of that castle are some very big carp, um, but like they're like albino zombie yeah. carp that are probably three hundred years old.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we were like.
1: Totally. And and it's polluted, you know, like there's the um the Grand Parade is right there and Adelaide Street and you know, lots of buses and taxis and people throwing their cuck on the ground and and stompies. So yeah. Conrad So, so said, for the
0: English listeners, a stompy is a cigarette butt.
1: Yes, sorry, yeah. a cigarette butt. So Conrad said, look, I'm I'm gonna tie a cigarette butt fly because not only well, they probably eat a cigarette, but, uh, you know, they're probably, it, it always reminds me of that Simpsons episode where the, you know, there's like the three-eyed fish. That's the vibe of this place. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But the other thing is, is I, I'm sure a lot of people throw bread to them as well. So like the stompy fly, the cigarette butt fly could also pass as a, as a piece of bread. Anyhow, we we roped in the guys from Flybury who, who are pretty good with uh, a camera, uh, like to, with filming and we we had like a, a whole thing set up. We had a um, a guy called uh, Oliver Kruger, who's a very good uh, photographer. He also shot that one of the Grunter on the rubbish heap. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that's amazing, tank. that's amazing. Yeah. Shot. Yeah. And uh, we actually got the whole thing done in about 15 minutes, which is really fast for a cover shoot because- Really fast to get a fish Conrad- on also. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Conrad was almost, we, we weren't filming, when he just had his first cast, he just like flicked it out. This thing comes up, smashes it, and he's like, I'm on. And if you look at the outtakes, they're they're in that magazine and there's some others floating around on our website. You've got Bod, who's like, whatever, six foot six or seven or something. He's ridiculously long. He's being, I'm holding onto his legs. He's head down into the moat with a net because there's this huge drop to try and get it. Conrad's in his weird suit pulling, pulling back on the rod. <laughs> and then the S-A-N-D-F, the, the the army, starts closing down on us. They, these guys are running out of the castle. So we get shot on from a dizzy height, but we still manage to get our photo quickly. And then we get chased off there and out. So we like we reconvene at a, a bar or a coffee shop just up the road. We're like, okay, fuck it. Did we get the shot? Did we get the shot? And, and we got it. So we're yes. all like high fives. Hallelujah. And there's there's actually, um, if anyone's interested, there's a YouTube video of the whole oh, thing that you can- I'm going to go look. Out. I'm
0: going to look. It it feels like when I was skateboarding years ago and you were chased by the police. Um, Now you're just older. You've got jobs and wives and probably dogs. (laughs) and You're being chased by the army. Um, Totally. It's pretty much that. That's been your approach to covers because I was uh, on there last night on the mission website. And um, yes, man, the covers are... I don't want to say award-winning, but they're freaking pretty freaking dope. If you just think of the one with the crocodile, um, some of them are just uh, yeah. illustration. Um, people really have to go look at this. Someone freaking fly fishing goldfish in someone's um, fish pond at their house. Yeah, you know,
1: it's, it's that's with like, Andre, the guy was talking about the human. Oh, humanity. yeah,
0: yeah, with the huge hair. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So also ginger, I think. Um <laughs> and um like did you just did that come naturally because you're a bunch of creatives or are you like, is there a lot of planning that goes into a cover? Uh,
1: it depends. There's, you know, some of the things we've specifically decided, you know, we want to do that shoot or the shoot or the other one. So, you know, um, issue one was, was thought out and planned. Um, sorry, my computer's gone slow. I'm trying to look at them in the background here. The one with Andre and the goldfish was one that I'd wanted to do for a while. Like, because it was, we ran a split uh, split screen story in that issue with um, Stefan Dombage of the Fly Fishing Nation, Andre um, I, um, make, who goes to a lot of these exotic destinations and does split screen, but he's just a regular punter. And then there was Cameron Musgrave, the guide from Cosmolido, and he um, also does split screen. So I was like. Cool. So split screen is cool, but let's turn it on its head. Instead of yeah, just yeah, having yeah. a giant fish split screen, which you've seen on many magazine covers, yeah, let's have Andre at home in his fish tank, where he actually swims. He he swim tests a lot of his flies, which are bigger than his goldfish. So we, you know, we we were just stuffing around trying to see if we could get it right, Um, because he's got one of those, uh, forgotten the name of the brand, but you know those underwater dome uh, yeah, yeah, fish yeah, eye yeah. things, and again, that, that was also about. 20 minutes and it, and it came off. So, you know, so, some like that to take planning. And then uh, the one with the grunter on the trash heap. Also, you know, Conrad caught that fish at like six in the morning on the breeder, and then drove back three hours to Cape Town with a special tank in the back of his of his car to keep it alive. And it was in my garage for a few hours, and we had special permission to shoot on the on the uh, at the dump. And yeah, you know, like so it it all came off. Um, the illustrated covers by Conrad are obviously also uh, planned out. There's the Oliver White cover, which was issue 10. Yeah. There's the left hand of Lefty Cray, issue five. I, I hope enough people get that one. It's just this beautiful hand that Conrad drew. and I just left it, and it was one of the- unfortunately. Okay, well, it's it's one of the last interviews he ever gave, um, oh, possibly yeah. the last. I'm, I'm not sure he was after us, but um, yeah, and you know then th- there's the one of the guy fly tying in the back of a van at night that was yeah, something that of conceptualized your second yeah, most cover
0: cool. with uh, i don't know what that rise was is freaking epic also it's v- that's it's-
1: actually yes, man yeah that's actually um snowfall it's not a ride. it's not a hatch it oh. looks like a hatch oh
0: yeah 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 i actually um, realized that i um went back and then i read i'm like oh shit yeah yeah that, that's snowfall it looks like a rise if you yeah. look, as you look at it the first time yeah, and then you see someone in a dirindle, uh petting a cow with a fly fishing rod in her hand in the in the <laughs> current issue. Yes, that's um, um, Gibson. Uh, God, I've lost. Um, what
1: am I doing? What's her name? Marina Gibson. Sorry, I, I was going to say Melinda Gips. Gibson. One it's not. It's Marina Gibson, who's a quite a quite a, a big uh, fly fishing personality out of the UK. Yeah. Um and then yeah, one of my favorites was actually 21. Um the the one with the guy underwater uh, with all the bubbles. Um, oh,
0: yes, that's an amazing cover.
1: Yeah, that was shot by Mickey Visvedal on the Yonder Toys river. Um and he actually shot it a couple of years ago and I've I've had it in the back pocket. And I didn't know when or how I was going to use it and when the pandemic hit and everybody was feeling just a bit weird you know like everybody else like everybody has this year I mean it's the strangest year in history maybe not in New Zealand where you guys have carried on relatively normally yeah, really, but yeah, you know what I mean for the rest of us it's been really odd like lockdown for weeks on end and all of that
0: I can't imagine and
1: that it's it's bizarre like the mindset and like there's this sort of well maybe not for everyone I'll speak for myself but uh, there's this, you know, for the first few weeks, it was like a sort of sense of impending doom. It's like, yeah. what kind of a plague is this? Where are the zombies? Um, and that cover with the bubbles and like the sort of serenity on the guy's face was, I was like, this is the time to play that card. I've been waiting for the right moments and this is it. And it's if, if you actually look at it, it's cover.
0: a... Mission Flyman yes. cover is a thinking man's cover.
1: <laughs> oh, for thinking sure. I mean, we do... <laughs> We do the odd thing, like um, issue 20 is just a giant rainbow trout tail at Jurassic. But I mean, the size of the tail and the splash, you're like, it's, it's well, I mean, it's indicative of how amazing Jurassic Lake is in, yeah. in Patagonia. So that was the point, was was something that kind of surprised you. Um, yeah, like, as you say, the croc is a pretty striking one by Will Graham. Yeah. Oh, it's incredibly striking, actually. There's a New Zealand cover there, issue 17, which is that hut um oh
0: yeah typical doc get out. yeah
1: yeah you've got to look quite closely as well when you you know to see the the wading socks and the net hanging outside it, otherwise it looks like it could be you know um little red riding hoods cabin it in the looks woods like a cool
0: place there. to be in anyway so you know if you don't yeah. if you miss it it, it it looks like a like a mission to go on in any case uh, wh- exactly, what if you, exactly. you fished man like you've been across the world but uh you have fished Lesotho and you fished um, uh, tiger fish yeah. in Botswana. Maybe I just want to ask about tiger fish. Um, for someone who doesn't know tiger fish, it's a piranha who took a bit of drugs and is now longer and just as aggressive type of thing. Like,
1: um, so it's a piranha. <laughs> it's, I mean, if you've gone for golden dorado before, it's similar yeah. to that. That's what a lot of people say. I haven't gone for golden dorado, but yeah. it's on my list. Well, tiger fish. I mean, they're the, probably, uh, you know, up there with um, uh, yellowfish is the premier, well, some of the premier f- freshwater um, sports fish in, in Africa. I mean, Nile Perch are also amazing. They're, they're lots of amazing species. Tigers are special, though. Um, they're just super aggressive. The hit is amazing. They don't have huge stamina in the fight, um, but you, you know all about it. You need wire trace. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they'll just slice. Slice your fly off. Um, no, they're, they're amazing. So yeah, I got very lucky. I, I went to I Chingo, uh Chobi River Lodge. It's right up in the on the border of Botswana and um, Namibia. Yeah, my sister's farm was
0: there in Bana So up to, oh, okay. up at Sani. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, well, when you get back, you got to go up there now that you're into fly fishing and yeah. Check yeah, yeah, hit that
0: um and so so how does it work with um tiger fish you're putting a monster streamer on i saw on um dogs of war if anyone hasn't seen dogs of war of or tiger fly fishing in in the Okavango delta if i'm not mistaken uh have yeah. a look at it they're sharpening hooks they're sitting there like sharpening the hooks. Yeah. like w- what is your what is your tackle like your setup look like for tiger
1: um okay i mean i, I think You know, I've only been for tigers a few times, so I wouldn't call myself an expert of of any sort. It depends where you are. So uh, a place like Lake Jazini, which is actually within South Africa, um, Mavangana run trips up there. And I think they fish a seven or eight weight. Um, The fish are a little bit smaller, but you can catch the odd sort of 14 pounder as they have recently um and then in the zambezi um or okavango uh, fish are a bit bigger and i think you're looking at a, a sort of eight or nine weights and then you've got tanzania um
0: which wow, have some amazing
1: you know uh, african waters formerly known as turret uh they have some very big uh tigers up there it's a slightly different strain i understand and i think they're fishing 10 weights um and look the, the dream or you know the first prize is to get tigers on top water uh, and it happens but it's not your dead cert if you want you know well not not that anything's a dead cert but like sinking fast sinking lines heavily weighted tiger clauses in black and red and black and purple i would say those account for like 85 to 90 percent of the fish um that i know of like if you talk to most people you look at their tiger fly boxes it's black and purple and black and red um variations in between You'll get the odd guy who swears by something else, for sure, but claws all the way. Um, <laughs> Platon Tricotius, who's one of our contributors, he swears by, uh, There's a is it the tiger bunny or something? Like, he's, he's got other patterns with sonka hair and all of that, which are cool. Yeah. Um. It's just, you know, uh, you can tie a sparsely uh, tied tiger Klaus with just a little bit of bucktail and some dumbbell eyes. And if you lose it, you're not going to be that bleak. Whereas if you start adding your expensive material on, and it goes with one chomp, you know it's, it starts to add up.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Do you feel when you go to another country, you really have to change mindset of of uh, what type of uh, uh, flies you're using, or is it, you know easy enough to ask a local?
1: Uh, look, I always do some homework, um, and if I'm not, if I'm <laughs> The the rest of the Feathers guys, um, so sorry, we're, um, we collaborate with Feathers and flora so, you know, their blog sits on our websites and effectively wear their magazine and they're our blog and, you know, like we, we're compadres, and uh, amongst them are some incredible fly tires, like guys really know what they're doing and they tie amazing flyers, I'm a very average fly tire, I'm the first to admit that, so If I have time before a trip, which unfortunately has been rare these days, then I tie as much as I can in preparation. Uh, But more often than not, I do a shitload of homework and I will either try and get some there or from the people that you're going with, if you're going with someone, or I will get someone who's more talented than me to tie me some flies just because, (laughs) you know. How the hell do you get someone
0: to tie flies for you? What do you bribe them with?
1: Well, I, sometimes I bribe them with money. You know, that that, that, that thing—it's <laughs> actually not known as a bribe. It's—it's it's known as payment. Uh, comment. Yeah. 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 Uh, but but also sometimes you know like you, uh, I, I pick my friends wisely. I've got some uh, yeah. who are just like yeah take my fly box and I'm like oh really I couldn't possibly as I as I reach for it so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just depends who you mates with. But yeah. no, I mean. I really should uh, try and spend more time at the vice.
0: Yeah. Um we we went on a on a horse trek in Lesotho. Um and I believe you now I forget the waterfall the famous waterfall um
1: cuz we fly- went to, We went to the Bokong yeah. which was yeah this was actually before we launched the magazine. I'd I'd gone there earlier that year and you know like it's when i was sort of hatching uh the idea um and um it was one of our what what issue was it i think she's three or four we we did the legend of Fuck you valley um <laughs> which uh, it, it kind of chronicles you know like our whole journey from cape town i just got engaged to my wife and like a real idiot, I, you know, I got engaged and then I was like, okay, cool. I'm off to Lesotho, bye. Yeah, bye. I've got and, you now. Cheers. Yeah, not the smartest move I ever made. Um, <laughs> and I went off with my buddy, Chris Bellingham, and another buddy, uh, the photographer, Mickey Visvidal. And yeah, anyhow, just uh, it was just a, a hoot. And within it is a story within a story. There's the, the battle between Ed Truter, who's one of the African waters he's like a scout he finds um great um fisheries all over africa and then lionel song who's in dogs of war he's the he's ed's best friend and they're kind of polar opposites and it's about them fighting all the way up the bokong basically shouting at each other fuck you no fuck you yeah so and they're they're a different
0: approach to to catching fish like completely different
1: yeah, their approach to walking on the river, their approach to like what color bag you can or can't wear, like Ed's a very like meticulous kind of detail driven guy. And I think Lionel's more, uh, I, I feel like I'm more like Lionel. I'm kind of like big picture and whatever, you know, like <laughs> just have a good time. Um, but it, that mirrored our story. Um, right. Chris Bellingham is a details driven guy, my, my friend, and I'm more like kind of you know, clapping along. So, yeah, but Lesothi was amazing. And the Bokong is a special river. It's got brown charts, rainbow trout, both to decent size. And the rainbows are in uh, Katsu Dam, which supplies Johannesburg with half its water. And then there are the smallmouth yellows, which run up the river. And those things, you know, if you've never caught a yellow fish, I, th- I think it's quite difficult for people to grasp how amazing those fish are because they kind of just look like skinny carp, you know, yeah. like they've got that weird... Mouth and the the rubbery lips and when you catch them they are just so strong like they make trout seem like weaklings you know um well which some people think is is what trout are yeah yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of those but yeah i i actually challenge any uh fly angler all over the world like just add it to your list you'll be so surprised at how amazing these things are Hmm. well worth it um, um what
0: what's how big are those rivers there? Because what I've seen is really small streams. Um it's like you can basically jump across it and it's like uh kind of uh you know, just like very shallow water, or have I got it wrong? Uh
1: no, you're not wrong. I mean, there's some deeper pools and places, some you know, properly deep pools, and then there's some shallow glides and, and riffles and runs. Um but it's quite interesting being on that river because you know it needs rain, and so you you want the rain to come down at times. But quite often the river will rise so rapidly, you have to just sit in a under a tarpaulin for a couple of hours, waiting for it to subside to the right level that mm. you can fish it again. So it's it's a kind of a weird one. You need a bit of rain, but not too much that it gets blown out. And yeah, it, and there are times where you can wade across it, and you won't even get your knees wet. And then other times where it's like, don't go anywhere near the, that river, you know, so yeah. yes. I'd, like, I'd love so to go uh,
0: Lesotho there. Lesotho is freaking amazing. There's a lot of cool stuff to do there. Totally. Um, what what patterns were you using there?
1: Um,
0: was it dry? I was
1: using, yeah, ma- mainly dries. I think almost exclusively dries. Uh, you know, we when we spotted a couple of the really big browns um, that were sitting on the bottom of these pools, we tried... Um, uh, a, a few nymphs, were, but those things are so clever. They've 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 clocked you a while back. Um, I actually caught a nice brown uh, up there on a, a sort of fluffy CDC uh, fly that I picked up in France a few years earlier. So that was really satisfying. One of the most satisfying fish of of uh, my life. And. Um, for the most part, we used um the bulb beta, which is an ed treater pattern. It's a basically that means ball biter, testicle nibbler, if you like.
0: Yeah, there you it's, go. That's-
1: uh, it's, <laughs> it's an ant pattern. Um, and it's got like white CDC, red thread, um, black flow foam. It's got like all these triggers that Ed kind of worked on over there's oh peacock hole as well for a bit of iridescence. Uh, it's a kind of weird-looking fly, but it's deadly yeah. It really works well. Um, and then other than that, I mean, you know, you can throw a rab up there, you throw big hoppers, um, the yellowfish come up for it all, but like any fishery, they do get start to get a bit smarter. And I think the guides there are constantly, um, having to figure out new ways to, to catch them.
0: And, and what, how big a mission is it to get there? Cause when we were, went for the, like, uh, across the mountains for three days there, you really, you pretty much drive on. The craziest mountain passes. How's the access getting there? Is it really difficult, and then you
1: walk in? Like it's it's not that difficult. I mean, you know, okay. So we were driving from Cape Town. So you, you yeah. basically drive across the country, um, and then you overnight in Ficksburg. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the weird thing is, if you look at Google Maps from Ficksburg to where the Bokong River is, it looks like really close. Yeah. You've just got to hop over the Lesotho border and it looks like it's right there. Yeah. And it is right there, but there are huge mountain passes in between. So it takes six hours just to cover what looks like, I don't know, as the crow flies, it looks like it's about 100 k's. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it looks odd. I obviously stand to be corrected on the actual distance. Um, and yeah, my my brakes as well. I mean, you know, it's a, they're good tired roads, but um, I was driving a relatively new car at the time and my brakes were, I could smell them yeah yeah yeah. No. yeah yeah um but the last section to the camp um it's it's a few k's uh, on a dirt road and it's not that gnarly it's if you've got decent clearance you're fine yeah and what we did is we had a couple of nights in the Makongoa community camp which is nice and comfortable you know like rondavels, and the guides all know how to cook and it's it's really great and the fishing around the camp is great yeah. but we wanted to do the 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 donkey trick so for yeah. I think it was four nights or five five nights. We went up the valley to right up to what they call Mordor, um, which is the kind of dark, gloomy, cloudy Hobbitshire right up at the top. And it's it's a kind of I mean you, you can read the story in the in issue four, but it's a it, it's a weird sensation being up there. You really feel like you are. I mean, maybe this is a real kind of uh, colonial viewpoint of, of the world, but you you kind of round a corner and you're like, I wonder. if, anyone's ever been here and then you see a like a, a herds boy like shouting at his buddy across the way and then there's a village over there and you're like oh, yeah, fuck, yeah, shut yeah. Up. you know just shut up of course people are here and they're like <laughs> so <laughs> you have these moments of like oh okay but it does feel it, you know what it, it, it reminded me of not that I've been to them but I've just seen photos of the Faroe Islands like north of yeah, Scotland between like Scotland yeah. and is it Denmark I don't know or, or Norway or something like that but like These kind of really green, luscious islands in the middle of nowhere with extreme weather, and that's what that those mountainous sections of of uh, Lesotho feel like. You really do feel like you're kind of in a floating island of mountain and it's just wet and rainy, and they're big fish taking dry flies. So what's not to like?
0: That's amazing. I I know that trip there. Like I've I've travelled a fair bit and stuff, but the trip uh, on ponies there was one of the like if not the best trip of my life it was just in those mountains and these mountains you can't describe to someone if you look on the map of the city, it looks like someone put a blanket down which is south africa and then someone like someone if you're looking from the top it was a god or whoever <laughs> i don't know just started pulling on these this this map and there's yeah. these folds and then around it there's nothing but there's just this crazy weird hills mountains folds up and down. You. In the suit, you either going up or you're going down. There's no yeah. in between. It's 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 really insane. Yeah.
1: yeah, there's a tiny, tiny bit of flat right on the border with South Africa, but then other than that, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. And enough for a border patrol.
0: I wanted to ask: um, Trout is does does the Department of Conservation see trout as invasive in South Africa? Which, which is a you know. Trout is pretty much invasive in New Zealand also, but they've now made peace that it's such a big part of the economy. Yeah. Um like our so trout scene, and I think I read something that you wrote that that you know you see conservation like differently because you have to include the species also. I, that's like throwing a like very I wrote that. Okay, maybe it wasn't you. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> maybe I, it's not from the Piscatorial Society, but um so you know, it's not seen as invasive uh in South Africa they
1: are yeah they are um it's oh god it's contentious um you know I help FOSAF out from time to time with the just some sort of communication strategy FOSAF is the Federation of South African Flyfishers, and they're the people who fight to protect um trout essentially yeah because uh, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to t- talk with any great conviction um, on this stuff because I'm sure I'll, I'll get something slightly wrong. But basically, you know, just let's say in the Western Cape, Cape Nature are the ones who stocked trout over 100 years ago. And, yeah. you know, uh, there are trout farms as in farming for the table. There's yeah. uh, trout farms for fishing there are rivers that have um, not been restocked and they have wild trout in them now they're now wild um and for the most part trout don't come down from the mountain streams you know they 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 need cool water to survive so they don't they are not like bass cruising down and you know going wherever or up going wherever they can they kind of stick where they are but there are indigenous fish in these rivers and you know, there's a there's a lobby that says that trouts are um, as bad as bass because they will eat redfin minnows or Cape um, kerp or various other things. Now, whether they're as bad or, as bass or not is a debate you can have. I would probably say that they're not as bad, but I'm not a scientist. And yeah. this is the other thing. I mean, a guy like Leonard Fleming, um, also part of Feathers and Fur and a regular contributor. Uh, of ours you know he works really hard with um the sort of famous fish crowd looking at um indigenous fish species like the sandfish and the vitfis um Mm. which are kind of part of the greater uh, i think they're both part of the greater yellowfish family and these are fish that are found in like some of them are only found in like two or three streams or um tributaries and that's all and they they grow to a decent size, you know. It's just watch out for issue 24. We've got a good one on them. Um, and the the argument would be if we can protect those fish well enough and get their stocks back up, we can get them back into the rivers that they're meant to be in and get and hopefully get rid of uh, trout in certain rivers. Personally, I wouldn't want to get rid of trouts altogether. Mm. Um, you know, I'm a, a member of the CPS and I'm on the, the committee there. And yeah,
0: that's I the piscatorial Society, for those who don't yes,
1: know. Yes, that's the Capuscatorial Society. And I love charts. And um, there's, you know, guides and shops. And there's a full-on industry, multi-million-rand industry behind it. Um, so I think government would be a bit short-sighted if they just got rid of it, it altogether. But I do understand the idea of um, specific rivers being... Um, uh, what's the poison they use? Rotanone, you know, to g- kind of get rid of all the alien fish species and then you reintroduce other stuff. Look, I mean, I'm not actually a fan of Rotanone because I think it kills everything in there, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like reintroducing the fish that are meant to be there and um, getting rid of the aliens in certain yeah. rivers, not overall. Again, it's a huge debate. You can go into this ad nauseum. I don't know, like, what happened in New Zealand? Did they have a whole bunch of indigenous fish? Are they still there?
0: Well, I actually just, there's a, a indigenous fish uh, specialist, Dave Cooper, uh, is actually he's the husband of one of my colleagues uh, where I'm working at the moment. And we're getting him to come and talk uh, to the Auckland Fly Fishing Club, um, I think in January. Um, so then okay. I'll probably be able to answer that a bit better. So, so, uh, so the same as, as where everybody, where, where the English colonized, they brought in, wherever they did, they brought in deer, and they brought in trout. Mm. So New Zealand is... And stylings. <laughs> so, so and then some people have an issue with it years after, and some people don't. So there's a big drive here to get rid of some a lot of the deer and tar goat that was also brought in, and they get... Um, We've got tar on yes. the mountain. Yes, you do. Uh, i forgot about that uh no one's shooting them here it's a massive industry like a guide will ask you six thousand dollars to go on a on a tar uh and so there's a huge industry but now you've got the the department of conservation um saying like no they've got to go so they're using 1080 that they're airdropping um it's basically just like carrot pellets um with 1080 and they're eating it and they're like dying over three days and it's super contentious because people feel the same way that they feel about trout like we go out and hunt this been here for as long as we can remember they're surviving but also they're eating some of the native species but depends if you ask of course uh, so for me i'm looking from the outside in and you just realize it's a very contentious uh mm. issue trout somehow has just been left out of the equation i don't understand it maybe um the,
1: there's, there's too much money involved in it i'm sure there's, there's like money involved
0: or or um, maybe the the minister of conservation if eugenia says that is what she is um maybe she just can't see the damage that they do but I spoke to a scientist um, at the Department of Conservation a while ago, and she said in one or two streams on the South Island, she feels they should clear the trout. So maybe you should not have a catch and release thing there. And maybe if you catch something, just eat it, which is fine. Um, uh, and that will get rid of the problem. But apparently in the bigger rivers, she feels that trout hasn't been had an impact on, uh, on the native species. I can't say. Um, okay. but yeah, man, if you go to the Riro, there's literally like pods of trout, you know, and I'm saying in some places, in some of the canals, guys have seen like over 200 trout just lying there. Um, so it's not like there's, you know, one every 200 meters and you're lucky if you catch mm. it. There's really like a lot of fish and they're monsters. Um, so I don't know. Amazing. what so do, you, do you Are you then catching and releasing, or are you for the sake of conservation eating? Like, what do you? How do you approach? No,
1: no, no. It's it's on our streams. It's all catch and release. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, I was fishing last week, and there were some farm kids on our beats in the bigger pools who were uh, fishing with worms and hand lines, and they were definitely not uh, there for catch and release. So you know, people got to eat. Huh? What,
0: what what is happening with water quality in South Africa? And just because. Uh, when I was working for Farmers Weekly, I I don't know if you know, um, um, Anthony Turton. He yeah. used to work as a uh, for the South African Intelligence Agency in the Cold War, and uh, he was yeah, yeah. with Gorbachev. And I did an <laughs> interview with, with him, um, and in the interview, except for painting a really bleak picture of the, the future of uh, river quality mm-hmm. in South Africa, um he said some of those streams if you would drink the water the effect would be equivalent to being bitten by wrinkles um and and he wasn't you know he wasn't talking nonsense he's not the type of guy to yeah yeah, yeah. i wouldn't try Look, and box him yeah. either he' he'll, he'll, he'll yeah like, <laughs> like, so 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 i think my question is i, I want to know about water quality but also access and south Africa has got as far as i understand like a a, the the Rome style of, of water law, you, you supposedly shouldn't negatively influence the guy downstream from you with extraction in terms of of agriculture. But you there's know. a lot of rivers just drying up, so I'm just throwing this ball at you. And
1: <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> there there there, you there, there, there it yeah, it feels like there are a few different questions there. But um, and uh, I don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, how uh, qualified I am to answer all of them. But anyhow. On the the subject of water quality or pollution, I mean, there's been a lot of shit, excuse the time, uh, going on with the valve for the last few years. There's massive pollution. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if if you can put aside our selfish interests as fly anglers, it's actually a a public health risk. You know, like it's the kind of thing that will result in a cholera outbreak. and Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, and and then on top of that, you know, we have droughts. Um, Cape Town experienced the most severe droughts two years ago where the city was on a countdown to actually run out of water. And, you know, we, we just escaped it. But that's happening all over the world. Um, yeah. Major cities, not just Cape Town. I think Paris is another one. Uh, yeah. London is at risk. The US, they've got a few cities that are at risk. So like water safety and uh quality and uh, provision is is massive all over the world but we do have major problems because we've got also more um urbanization yeah and people need water i mean i live not far from the black river just down the road here in mowbray and you know you've got these beautiful flamingos they're feeding and terns and all the other things and floating past them is uh, plastic and trolleys and chinese triad members with crossbow bolts in their heads and you know all those delicious things. So it's it's problematic. And then in terms of water extraction, I mean the one local example I can give is the Vitter River, which is one of the sort of fabled brown trout streams in the Western Cape, just up on Baines Cliff, and it it flows beautifully until it gets to a weir where the farmers down in Wellington have diverted the water to their land. Uh, against the agreement that was made where they, a, a certain amount of the flow is meant to go down the original yeah. path of the river. Yeah. So in the lower re- uh, reaches of when you go over the pass at Bainscloof, uh, the pools there are pretty stagnant and there's not much flow. And technically, it's actually criminal. Like they yeah. shouldn't be taking that much water. But there isn't really a will to police it. And you know you're saying uh, we're, we're going in as fly anglers, and I'm sure that other people who want to cliff and swim and just enjoy the river. Uh, and then you've got other people going, well, we are farmers and we put food in, you know, on the plates of the nation and all of this emotive stuff. So it's like, who's rights Trump who, and who's going to police it. So problematic.
0: I think someone should just get some dynamite and just, uh, blasted it's open. been
1: so it's been done before people oh, have really? diverted. yeah people have diverted the weir and i think and i I must put in a complete disclaimer here i do not know who that was uh and uh the farmers you know they're local so they just come back and they just put it the way they want it so what do you do
0: the 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 piscatorial society are they uh, maybe I've got a very big vision of what the Piscatorial Society and its powers are. Are they like a, a society that would engage with with like
1: stakeholders? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, they're involved. You know, they work with Cape Nature or they've we've gotten a, a relationship with Cape Nature. It's always been a bit uneasy because ultimately they don't really like trout, but they kind of tolerate us um, managing a few rivers. And then you know but they're about the health of rivers which we are as well um and then so we we are on the same side when it comes to water extraction and yeah. uh, pollution and we do river cleanups we we cut out um you know we, there's a bunch of australian bushes and like port jackson and hackia and all of that kind of cuck that we 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 hack out and try and get out of the river system because it doesn't help
0: and uh, do you think there's, are those rivers in, in, in real, real, real danger of just drying up completely? Because I know if the sandfish, um, like you said, there's certain sections that they're in. If those rivers go, that fish is... Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, fortunately for the sandfish, they're, they're in quite remote areas. Yeah. And I, I stand to be corrected here, but I think it's probably even cyclical that you know, there are the deeper pools where these fish can survive for several months. Um, and then the rains come again and then they can move between the pools and they spawn and, and uh, feed and breed and whatever. Um, and so they managed to get through, but we, we're actually looking pretty good now. Our dams are at hundred percent after this winter. So, you know, like, Touch wood, we're in a good space. But these are these are bigger uh, climate cycles that happen. You know, you're, you're yeah, good for exactly. three, four years, and then I don't know if it's El Nino or whichever La the Nina. cycle is. La Nina. It comes around again, and then everyone's suddenly panicking because we've got no no water. So, yeah, um, I think it is possible that some of these streams could dry up completely. It, it It's happened on some of the smaller tributaries, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, even New Zealand, which is the place with, I think of a Cape Town winter where you think it's never going to stop raining. That's the entire year in New Zealand, and they've got it down.
1: (laughs) The land of the Uh, long white cloud. Yes, man. It's just it's. I've
0: just you shouldn't like if you base your 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 excursions around the weather here, you're never going to do anything. So the first thing you do when you come here is you like you just buy the best wet weather gear you can and that's it yeah if it's, if it's raining on saturday and it's piss, not even pissing down because here is just like a constant drizzle um you go out and you fish because don't think tomorrow is going to be any better or you know next saturday uh it's just the m- kind of mindset that you that you have to uh get used to you uh, did a, a quite a controversial book a while ago uh depends from whose view seat on, on conrad burtis right um, oh yes and the then erotic drawings of conrad <laughs> yeah oh man you know when i think of some of some of his stuff i just have to chuckle and uh it's weird like even talking about it because you know as an Afrikaans boy in south africa you get raised like very uh yeah, well, yeah. i wasn't raised religiously but you you grow up in that uh yeah you know yeah. you get what i'm saying you s- school is yeah, like that's zakat, yeah. like i'm sweating you're sitting just talking about some of that stuff <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. Anton Canemeyer, I'm thinking of the... Okay, I can't even say it. Like, I feel so guilty just talking about what stuff make, makes me chuckle. Um. So so, w- what was the book? Uh, was it just uh, drawings?
1: Yeah, it's like, I don't know, 20, 30 years of his... Uh, I, I mean, the joke was it was called The Erotic Drawings of Conrad Burtis, Um and there's nothing erotic about them. They are... Yeah um uh, you know like like any of his work and Anton's work and the stuff that they do on bitter comics it's a comment on society on um the stuff we do the stuff we think the stuff we say um and hypocrisy um pornography violence uh, misogyny like all of those things the whole point is it's kind of designed to make you a little bit uncomfortable and to have difficult conversations it's not for everyone like it's you know it's it's not necessarily a it's something everyone's right. going to enjoy but but it should it should challenge you that's the thing And it's i mean it's you know we're working on the uh, we're, we're about to put out the the new bitter comics yeah um you know so th- the mission falls under soti press that's my my publishing house uh which Publishes bit of comics, some uh, uh, erotic drawings of Conrad Waters, etc. So yeah, um, and it's always interesting working with those guys.
0: And then when you you printed it, you apparently uh, had to draw, pull some of the the images, and then when some of the yeah images we had a
1: yeah it was it was one of those ones where we went to a few different printers to get quotes, and we were you know upfront we were like here's the content. You, you guys need to, you know, are you cool with it? And it was funny, a lot of them were like, oh, of course, you know, we used to print Hustler or Lost Lake or Penthouse or whatever. We've got no issue with this stuff. And then a week or two later, they, they'd actually run it past management and management had an issue. But the guys that we did go with said, absolutely no problem. We're going to do it. They took, um, you know, our 50% deposit. And then, sort of, several weeks into the process, when it was too late to, changed to someone else, they were like, oh, you know, uh, this this uh, drawing on page 77, that's problematic. And we're like, well, that's, we don't care about your opinion. It's kind of like, you know, you're telling me that every um, book that goes through a printer, that they read every word and they agree with every word that's printed. Because it was so far into the process, we we said, okay, fine, you know, we'll take it out. And Conrad replaced it with another image. And then a week later, they had a problem with a different image as well. And then we were just like, no, fuck it. Okay, we'll get lawyers. And if it's going to go this way, it's going to go this way. And eventually they backed down. Uh, but they said, you know, there was going to be a riot and a strike at the at the print shop. And it was going to be, you know, this whole thing, the unions are going to get involved. And we just said, look, you guys said you had no problem with the content. And here we are, and you've wasted our time, and you've taken our money. And we've got a very good, good lawyer who's going to go pro bono for us. So like yeah, yeah, no yeah. one's gonna win out of this i lose as a publisher you lose as a printer and the only people who win are the artists who will get extra um exposure so eventually yeah, yeah, yeah. sanity prevails, and they went ahead
0: and then you just finished the book on al-qaeda who, who, who was that by
1: yeah, so um, I just read a book with a guy called Steve McGowan, um, a South African guy who was uh, abducted by Al-Qaeda in uh, Mali, in Timbuktu. Um, he was actually riding his motorbike from London back to South Africa, and he got taken. And for the better part of six years, he was a prisoner in the middle of the Sahara Desert. Um so it's a hell of a story. Um, and that's coming out now in, a, uh, yeah, it should be out in the second week of November. Um, quite a thing. The guy, you know, converted to Islam, changed his name, and did a whole bunch of things to survive. That's insane, man. How,
0: how do you choose? how do you, This has got nothing to do with fly fishing, but how do you choose who you take on at Sati Press?
1: Well, that wasn't through SOTI Press. That was with the Daily Maverick, you know, the investigative journalism bunch. So, yeah, I mean, I work as a freelance writer um, and people approach me with um, interesting book ideas or whatever. So um, I choose based on things that are interesting and also because I have bills to pay like anybody else. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: (laughs) At this moment, I'm choosing mostly what's paying the bills exactly exactly (laughs) um and yeah with Sodi press at the moment it's uh conrad and anton and bitter comics yeah but um when we've got space to to breathe we will be looking at um at a a couple of different things as well we haven't decided what yet so we'll see we might even do a couple of books based off the mission like some of the um we were thinking of like a sort of recipe book uh i used to do a lot of cookbooks as well back in the day you know like the real meal revolution and all those things like the tim Noakes one um so yeah um we'll we'll see as we go along make something up and
0: then for the mission fly mag do you guys have anything that's you're just trying to like chug along and just get it like keep it going because obviously it's difficult with 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 you know our advertisers saying like Cheers, guys. We're we're out because COVID, or not really.
1: Um, it's actually funny. Like you know, when the pandemic hit South Africa, we we had about four or five new advertisers who were about to that indicated they were coming on board, and then obviously you know, obviously, <laughs> as as if everybody knew what happened in a pandemic. Um, yeah, yeah. They yeah, you know, p- people kind of pulled back. So we didn't lose anyone that we didn't have uh, or didn't already have. Um, And what we've now found is we've just started adding new guys again. So I think confidence is coming back into the the market. Um, We just were out in the tank with Karoo shooting with BMW Motorrad, actually. So they're like one of the first non-fly fishing brands to want to do something cool with us. Oh wow! And... Oh, it's like, I I actually feel like the fact that we can say that we're kind of where we were before the pandemic hit is, is quite good. It's like, it's it's healthy to have not come out of this year with a, a massive dent in our you know, prospects. So we, I think we're pretty healthy. Yeah.
0: It would be interesting to see like fly fishing gear sales. I know like uh, if you read on the internet, well, read on the internet, uh, it apparently <laughs> after <laughs> After a river runs through it, like sales of fly fishing gear hmm. in America, I think it's a common story, like just skyrocketed. And I can't remember after there's yeah. like a definite spike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and I think the pandemic right has the same effect.
1: It, it has. I can, uh, I've spoken to numerous um American brands and they are run off their feet, they, they can't deal with the demand. Fly fishing is having a moment right now, it's booming, yeah. Um, it's getting a lot of coverage in the mainstream press. I mean, we got covered in the Sunday Times, like front page of the lifestyle section, and, oh, wow. you know, all our covers were there. And then in the U.S., I think the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, various things, you know, there's been a lot of coverage. So, it, I, I, look, I mean, I hate to bring hipsters into it, but I feel like it's a, it's almost a natural progression of that sort of hipster culture of going back to things that are craft and like engaging with nature with the pandemic, obviously, it it makes perfect sense that people are going to go like, actually, that's really cool. That thing that my dad or my grandfather used to do, let's give it a bash. And what better way um, to spend your time than outside in nature, socially distanced, doing something cool.
0: You know? Yeah, 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 for sure um i know there's a no i know I've, I've written for them a couple of times um there's a like a hipster hunter magazine in new zealand hunter's journal um and they're also just a startup i think there's issue four five is coming out okay. um and it's uh, run by cam henderson and he's just he does these crazy videos of guys duck shooting and it's like metal playing and guys farting and it's you know um and it you you need guys that are just away from the the norm and just bringing something yeah. creative into it. Um, but then, then one of my last questions is momentum. Like, how do you yeah. keep up momentum? Because it's easy when everybody's amped. And like, how do you just keep it chugging along? Because you know there must be a time where you think, shit, you know, now it's become it's become work. No,
1: it does become work, but. I think if you can retain a sort of, uh, you know, if you can retain what got you into it in the first place, the yeah. the playfulness, like if we, with the mission, we're always having fun. I mean, half the time I was, you know, I was, uh, even just writing the captions for the photos, I'm like, <laughs> it's like one of my favorite things. And we also put gremlins through um, little Easter eggs throughout the magazine. If you look closely, there's, there's shit throughout, like, where you can you can see that we don't take ourselves too seriously. We're there to have a jaw, yeah, sure. And um, the moment that we're not having fun with it, then, like, then we shouldn't be doing it. And there's no point.
0: I the think... I think Neil, uh, the article I wrote for you, I think he was pissed off with me after the article. Was he? <laughs> yes, yeah, because I just, I painted him as a really grumpy old bastard. And, yeah, man... But he, told me I, to fuck I, I off was, a couple
1: of
0: times and was like he told me to no like I mean when we were fishing he's like what the fuck are you doing and he's just basically he's guiding his guiding method is shouting at people and telling yeah. them it to cast and I went to him like I'm gonna publish the story it's you know <laughs> and he's like I've got no problem with it and I've seen him three times at at the club since
1: and yeah he doesn't want to talk is to not like he's not talking about it um so uh well so, I, I I thought I thought it was done you know with affection, like you're saying he's a grumpy old guy. Yeah, it was done like, with affection. It's like respect. you reach that level where you don't need to um you know whisper sweet nothings in your ear for no reason. He's just okay. like, No, there you fucking idiot. Cross there. I loved it. And that that photo that we chose as the opener was my favorite. That kind of just like, you know, <laughs> dude.
0: And he he's really so f- funny and he's you know because i'm like you say you're the big picture fisherman you know you're just kind of this guy in fucking full camo hiding behind a bush like casting to this fish and what i appreciate was like he's just moving through this water he's just walking and there's sand churning and then he stops and you're like okay we probably need an hour for the fish to calm down now he's like cast there boom it and then Boom. you get a strike and you're like what so yeah, no nonsense uh, it made me realize that sometimes i i don't need to be because i've often felt that when i'm fly fishing i'm stressed because you know it's like if you don't have this fly at this depth at this you're never going to catch anything and, yeah
1: you can overthink it way too much
0: yeah and then uh the other day when we we went to this like i said to you like went to uh this this where the uh, this um lake goes into a canal and you know you read up i read up so much before we went and no one no one in the entire club caught a fish and then we just got in the car and, and we drove to the why how that we know and the river that i know and it's nymphing. i just forgot about at one stage i i don't know how i fucked up but at the end i just had to tip it on my line i didn't even put on like anything colored to see if there's a strike and then like you i just felt it this tiny fish i felt it, and i pulled it out and i just got back and then i just realized you know maybe for the next two times i'm just gonna uh check nymph (laughs) like alex waller uh who i interviewed for the first thing he's like said he's gonna have a t-shirt that says i can't fly fish so i started checking nothing um (laughs) so it's so i just (laughs) told myself just but, Take it and just have a good time, and just get back into the space where I'm really digging it, and then I'll like yeah. start going, trying, and exploring, and all this.
1: That's stuff. But that's the thing. I mean, even if you're doing like a a sort of section of fly fishing, if you if that isn't a natural fit for you, but it works, you're still picking up skills. I mean, yeah, for sure. You know, it's it's like having a Swiss Army knife and only ever using the blade. It's <laughs> you know yeah. why not. Get all the skills, even if you prefer using the blade the most time, most of the time. I mean, if you talk to most people, they're like, "Yeah, of course, I love dry fly fishing. It's visual, it's entertaining, it's exciting, all of those things." But if they're not on, you know, you want to actually have the other skills that'll get you a fish on a cold day and, yeah, or sure. on a slow day. So, no, it makes sense. Um.
0: So, why is fly fishing a cult? I think I'm gonna end with. Wait, am I to end with that question? Why is it a cult, and why do we get so absolutely amped about it? Because I'm actually not doing a lot of work today. I feel maybe I should just drive out and go fish, which I'm not gonna do. I
1: think you should. I think you definitely should. Um, uh, it's a difficult one. eh? We, I'm sure we put a lot of thought into it, but right now I can't really think what. We're (laughs) we're without without the sex, though. It depends. It depends. Oh. am <laughs> yeah. oh, always... wrong? <laughs> Maybe you haven't been initiated. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, I think it's, you know, I've seen it time and time again. Um, okay. So first off, I don't believe that it only counts on fly, and I don't believe, you know, in the whole purest thing to to fly fishing. I personally, um, jet, like, I, I fly fish, but. I, I might have another rod somewhere, I think, you know, like a bait rod, but I don't really use it. Yeah. Um. But I'm not like anti it, you know? People must do what they want to do, that's fine. The reason um I, I love it is because it's actually active. I don't like the whole like just cast and sit on your ass and, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. wait. And, you know, there are obviously um, art lure and spinning, which are a bit more active, but I like the fact that fly fishing is kind of always trying to figure things out. But what I've seen time and time again is people who um do other forms of fly fishing sorry of of fishing whether it's deep sea or art lure or spinning or whatever and they try fly fishing and then they kind of give up on their past life as a fisherman <laughs> and I, you don't often see it going the other way and that was the kind of cult thing was that it's like when people get it when they experience it and they get like me as a 12 year old kid on a river with a tangle you, caught a fish and you and you got your your first taste of it and you know it's the reason we're having this conversation now there's something about it that just keeps you coming back for more and as you say you can sit and you can talk shit about it and you can you can take it to the nerdiest level you like or you can keep it surface level and you can still be obsessed with it you know you don't have to um become an expert on every aspect of it and tie every fly and understand the entomology but you can if you want to it's yeah. it's the and and it, it goes uh, i suppose like religion there are subsects and uh offshoots and uh splits in the church that go off in every di- direction and that's fine you know we're all entitled to to, to go for what we want to i'm personally I, I feel like i'm more into the greek gods i like i'm, I'm omnivorous i fall onto zeus and to uh poseidon and uh everyone else
0: whatever gets gets fish on it's it's interesting it's, because um uh yeah man i've just spent so much time i've got a buddy who we're about to go out hunting also and the, uh, the wives are sick of it because we just talk um uh hunting um but if people don't get it you kind of want to convert them also because uh my buddy you know uh mm. like we did uh kung fu together for years and then we rock climbed together for years and uh then i started doing brazilian jiu-jitsu which is also kind of a bit of a cult and i was like dude you don't understand man you need to do this shit and uh i stopped now i broke my ribs like so many times in the past year um and he started brazilian jiu-jitsu a while ago and now he's like obsessed. it's like he's obsessed but the next thing i need to get him into is fly fishing cuz he like kind of gets it like yeah it's kind of cool but uh and i'm like if he just i think goes he'll for love it and gets a fish on uh, it's going to be over
1: i think he should go with conrad um he'll he'll love it yeah
0: yeah yeah Conrad would be the right type of guy for him to go out with because if he goes with like a traditional guy also it's it's, it's not no gonna, no no he needs go. to go
1: go with Conrad they need to talk about arts and they need to catch some fish That'll yeah be- um
0: just what's what's your next mission what have you got planned um fishing
1: um well there are a couple of things in November I was either going to get to the Orange River or I might go up the garden route with a buddy and I don't even know if I'll turn it into a story I actually just need to spend like some consecutive days on the water with my phone switched off and, uh, you know, no work. So that's part of the plan. I also might set the breeder, um, in the next couple of weeks, just for a few days Uh, but no major trips on the horizon.
0: Where can people find you guys? it's missionflymag.com yeah
1: it's the missionflymag.com um and it's the mission Fly Mag on instagram and i think it's exactly the same on facebook and yeah oh, i didn't even know you were on
0: facebook i didn't, I didn't know we're facebook. on
1: facebook we're on what? youtube we're everywhere but uh yeah uh, do do like us follow us and remember all our stuff is free our, our digital magazine is is free access um i think these days all we ask you for is an email address so you can keep in touch yeah um and if you're in south africa the print mag is actually free as well um while stocks last we we supply all the um airport lounges the fly fishing shops the clubs and a couple of sort of outfitters and lodges and things like that a couple of coffee shops and barbers um, and then when those stocks run out, you then can buy it from our um website. Like packages. We just cover the. Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, we charge enough to cover um shipping anywhere in South Africa. But we do ship overseas. We've also got merch and other things that we, we ship overseas. So
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure. I think the big thing is uh if I'm in South Africa, I need to hit you up uh, because I'll give you like months notice. Because I want to go fly fish in some of those mountain streams. Uh, yeah, for sure. Maybe Cedarburg area. That would yeah. be yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. We'll make it happen. And if you guys are here, or if any, you have any friends coming here, man. Uh, in terms of of, of North Island. Uh, yeah. I can. I'd I, I want to be a guide in terms of <laughs> the traditional <laughs> guide, but I'll be a, a direction finder. Yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I'd I, love you. to. My my in-laws live in Australia. So uh, every couple of years, we have to come in um, that direction. So, yeah. you know, there's always a possibility to add at a week here or there. Cool. I think uh, that's it, man. Well, thank you. and uh, Have a good Appreciate morning. <laughs> and yeah,
0: it's now 7 a.m. in the morning, quarter past seven. So I thought we were going to speak in 15 minutes from now, but obviously I was uh, out by hours. So anyways, Tito. Thanks, man. Thanks. Good stuff. Thanks for Good. having me. Get to chat.
1: Chop.